Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, an Espedition blog covering the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am Old Chase, joined by Dale Bloom, and we have a special guest, Valley Sports broadcaster Jody Shelley. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Jody. Jody Shelley, thank you so much for coming on to the Cannon Cast. How are you uh, doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, it's uh, we're just about three weeks, I guess. Uh, from training camp, I know the young guys, the development crew will be here in a couple of weeks. So, you know, the kids are back in school. I've got a 10 year old or I've got 11 year old and a 12 year old. I better get that right. A boy and a girl in school here in, in the Columbus area. And, uh, you know, when that happens, you think you got a little more time, but, uh, this is going to be really quick, exciting time of year to get hockey back. Yeah. I was curious how your summer has been. Have you, have you had a chance to rest or has it just gone fast? And then, as you said, the season's almost here. You know what's wild? When you look at the last 20 months for everyone in the world, it's been strange. And, and you know, we were so thankful to get back and see the guys play in the bubble. And then we were so thankful last year to see them, uh, you know, get back and play hockey. They got to travel. I was doing the games in Cincinnati with Jeff and, and our crew down there. And uh, it, we got it done. And, and, you know, when it was over, it was kind of like, OK, let's see what happens in the offseason. Um and it's been nice. It's been busy. I think everyone in the world is busy. I don't know if you can see anyone that, you know, that, that is not completely busy when you have kids and all things going on in sports. But uh, it's, uh, it's been relaxing in its own way. So it's been nice to spend time with the family. But uh, I think everyone in my house is ready for me to get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're looking forward to the season and, of course, seeing you all on TV. And I do want to mention congrats on the Emmy, you and the rest of the Bally Sports Crew, the live sporting event game category. So. Really awesome to see that as well. Yeah, that was really unique. Uh, you know, I, I didn't realize that um, until I got onto the, into this business that it was actually uh, something you could do as a broadcaster. But we have a great crew and our production team with Joe Whalen and, and, and uh, the guys in the truck do a, a heck of a job. Uh, you guys don't even know behind the scenes to be able to win that award. So it's a credit to our crew, but thank you for acknowledging that. Obviously, the offseason got off to a really tragic, tough start with the untimely death of Matisse Kavlenics. And I just wanted to get your 
thoughts on what you will remember ultimately about Matisse, not just, of course, the player, but the human. Uh, obviously, like I said, just a tragic yeah. start to can't predict that kind of thing. No, and that's, you know, the, the life is so precious. And, and you see uh, the only images I remember of Matisse Kevlinix is uh, Mother's well, a Couple, but the one that always stand out and come to my, the forefront of my mind and my memories of him is him smiling. Um, I remember I had an exchange with him in the back room. I was back in the equipment room uh, chatting with the, the, the equipment managers, Timmy Leroy and Jamie Healy. And, you know, in walks this blonde-haired kid, young-looking guy just strolling through. And I chatted with him for a few minutes. And just a positive guy. I really enjoyed being around him for those few minutes that I, that I did get to talk to him. And I remember as he walked out, I said, boy, there's a happy kid. And I think I said it to the trainers and, you know, they raved about him. So uh, tragic life lost, way too young, uh, a member, a nice member of the organization. And, you know, it's, um, it was a tough thing to even read what had happened initially. I think we're all were in shock. You know, you kind of think that did that really happened. And then uh, the outpouring around the world of him and, the memories of him, uh, he'll never be forgotten here in Columbus. How do you think that loss, the loss will affect his teammates this season? That's a very good question, and, and that's a tough one to answer. Um, you know, I see a guy like Elvis who was so close to him and, and there uh, during that tragedy and that event, and, you know, you wonder. You just want to make sure that, and I'm sure the Blue Jackets are fully aware and, and on top of it, him and, and Manny Legacy and all the group that, you know, was around him closely. Um, Hopefully they turn it into, um, I mean, you can never say, you can never uh, turn it into a, a real positive, but you can, you know, try to make it the best that you possibly can. And, and hopefully they do that and, and find a way to uh, keep his spirit in the way they play and how they approach every day. Because, um, you know, sometimes um, those things happen and teams react differently. And I, and I hope that, uh, you know, they always say Matisse is up there smiling down. There's, I sort of read a lot of great quotes, so hopefully that's uh, inspiration for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, it, Elvis. I, I think one interesting thing to come out of it is um, to watch Elvis and his reaction to it. You know, I, I got to watch the memorial service um, online, and then to watch the the interaction with with Elvis and the fans, um, Elvis and the organization, um, and then he has a as a new Columbus born son with, with Matisse as the middle name. So, um, you know, to watch that bond happen and see kind of the Elvis um, take on that, that the really kind of a leadership role, right. Even before the season begins. Um, so, you know, our, our, our thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family. Um, but also it's, it's been pretty cool to see um, the outpouring of support from the community to Elvis um, and I think that kind of speaks to the person that Elvis is. Um, and, you know, do you kind of, do you kind of see Elvis taking on a starting role this upcoming season? Um, or do you think it'd be kind of like a split um, that we've kind of seen in the past? You know what? I, it's, it's all bets are off. I mean, it's, uh, you know, Brad Larson's the head coach. He's got two assistant coaches with experience. Uh, he's got Jared Bull in there uh, helping out. It's um, it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out and what their approach is. First of all, their style of play, um, how they approach the games, and how that duel goes. Will they both be here when camp opens? I mean, that's a real conversation. You're going to see some teams open up, and every team opens up training camp with promise and hope and expectations and excitement, you know, and 
Uh, it's an 82 game season in our regular regular year. So, um, you know, I think that if there is a team that comes out of the gate, not liking their goaltender situation, uh, I know there's a lot of free agent goalies that are still available. When you have young, proven net miners, a 1A and a 1B, we'll call them, um, really equal players that push each other and work well together. Um, I think the Blue Jackets are in the, in the driving position there where they want the value. I don't know this, but this is me watching them. They know the value of their players. They understand what they should be get for these two players. They understand that once they do get a team or see a team that's desperate for a player like Elvis uh, or, or Jonas, then they'll make that move. But as long as they're both here, I see it being just a head-to-head battle. I really think it is, and I think it's healthy. What do you think the... And it's, it's going to be hard to, to kind of get it down to one or two things, but can you kind of pinpoint what maybe the issues were with having the unsuccessful season of last year? Last year, let me go back and try to remember. I mean, <laughs> power play and scoring goals was a struggle coming into the year. Um, and, you know, when you're playing a condensed schedule against the same team, um, and they have a game plan against you and it gets in your head and you play that team eight times, um, you know, and there's players you go up against and, and you just, oh, you can't stand playing against this player or this goalie or whatever it is that, that that's happening. Um, teams plan to shut certain people down and sur- especially the power play. So the penalty kill is the most tactful and thought out sequence in a National Hockey League game. Those four players are on the same page and they have to be the entire time that they're out there shrinking the zone, collapsing on loose pucks, any bouncing pucks. There is a game plan to a T in that sequence. Other parts of the game, you can put those plans in and there are some, I mean, there's structure, but not like penalty kills. So, you know, that, that power play at, at times in key moments in the game, you could tell that they just, lost the mojo of the game, lost the mojo of the team. You can go back to one goal losses or, or, you know, close games and and think, boy, if the power play had gotten momentum there even, or if the power play had changed a little bit. So that's definitely one of those areas. Uh, you know, the, the health of the goaltenders got into a little play there. It seemed like one guy was doing well and then he got injured. The other guy came in and did well. They, they did a good job of helping each other. Um, but there was a staleness too, I think, to the season. I think a guy like Max Domi who, I remember Max Domi when he was in Montreal and boy, was he a handful every time he was on the ice. And it was because the fans in Montreal loved him. And when you saw him in Columbus as a Montreal Canadian, the fans hated him and he really feeds off that energy. So, you know what? The league was what it was last year. There was a lack of fans and a lack of energy in the buildings. And I think that really affected some of the play of a lot of these teams and the blue jackets had some personalities and some players, even the new ones that came in like line a, who just couldn't figure out what was wrong. And, and maybe that had something to do with it. So hopefully this year, we I tell you what, we missed our fans, uh, even us as broadcasters in the building. Uh, you guys at home watching, I don't know if you guys are fortunate enough to go to a game, but it was different. It was uh, lacking something, and sometimes it felt lost. So it'll be nice to have everyone back. Do you think that the uh, team has made enough moves this past summer to f- maybe start to fix some of those issues from last season and ultimately, uh, you know, have a better season, of course, going forward? Well, we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of differences here. This is a different team that we're used to seeing. The, you know, the, the philosophy of the coach may be very similar, but you're seeing a lot of veteran players, uh, all-stars. The two all-stars for the last few years, Atkinson and Jones, are gone. Uh, you know, Warinsky is the man. 
Jenner will always be the man. He's a leader and a guy that, you know, is going to show the way of the young kids like Roslovic. I see him as a young kid. He's trying to be a number one center. You know, we'll see how that goes. Uh, great to have Corrali in here. He's a great person, a wonderful guy. The defensive core seems good to me. You know, Bean, uh, Bean is he's a he's a good player. He's a quiet player. He plays with skill, poise, confidence. He's got that offensive upside in the defensive zone um, and the offensive zone. He can exit and get in the zone. Uh, you know, Boquist is a player too that was really underrated in Chicago. So the goalie and the defense seem good to me. Up front. They're going to have to try to find a way to score goals. And your question is um, if they've done enough. I mean, you know, this team now is trying to look and, and retool to be an organization to be messed with for a long time. And I think you're going to see a different brand of hockey. I think they're going to be fun to watch. But this has a lot of the future in mind. And I'm sure some of our fans, you know, as a fan, do I want to hear that? Not really, but that's the reality of where they're at. This is a, a team that looks much different. They've lost a lot of key pieces that they developed, and they're going to try to do that again on the fly, catch teams that are trying to uh, move players that they have to because of cap space and also draft the way they did this year, which was very impressive. Yeah, you mentioned it earlier. You said, you know, the, the new coaching staff. So, of course, Brad Larson's a first-time NHL coach. You have new assistants coming in from the AHL. Do you have any concerns about a lack of experience on the staff or do you look at it as they're going to have a fresh perspective and that might ultimately be what helps carry this team? You know what I like about it? I, I like that Brad Larson uh, was under John Tortorella. I like that Brad Larson played in the National Hockey League. And I also like that he got interviewed three times. And if you think about that, this is a guy that's been here for almost a decade. Maybe it has been a decade. So they know Brad Larson. But they went to work. They wanted a guy who will help what with what management is trying to do in developing these players in the National Hockey League, putting them in places to succeed, but also being that uh, person that carries the character and, and and kind of the standard of what it is here to be a Columbus Blue Jacket and what Yarmo and, and John Davidson are trying to do. Uh, that's a key here. I think that's going to be the focus. Those coaches every night are going to game plan to win every single game and put players in a position to succeed and be in positions for long term in the organization. They're going to weed out players that don't fit, and this thing is going to move forward and it's going to move fast. But I think the coaching staff, uh, they seem to be well put together, guys with experience, guys that are respected around the world when it comes to hockey. Um, so some great minds in the locker room. I don't think that's going to be a factor. But for this team and where they're at right now, it's a very good group to help establish what it is they're going to be under Coach Larson and take that from now into the future. So Brad Larson, and, and like just like you said, Yarmo made a, a big point of saying that the standard isn't going to change. Right. But it seems that Larson has kind of, without saying it directly, he said that he's going to be a different coach than Torts. Um, I think there were there was some concern from the fan base that it was going to be Torts 2.0. Um, I think kind mm -hmm. of some of the things he said have have alleviated that worry. Um, do you see Larson being a different coach is in terms of X's and O's and the style of play and, and on the ice, things like that. Well, here's what he wouldn't have been hired. If you, he was, I, in my opinion, I don't think he would have been hired if he was torch 2.0 torch was awesome. I love John Tortorella as a person. I loved him as a coach when he coached me in New York. I loved him as what he did here to the organization and set a standard. And it was a lonely thing to do because he had to hold a lot of people in a lot of different areas in this organization accountable. We're proud of what he did and we're proud of him as, as our guy. And, you know, 
you guys know why they watch the post game right till the end. Besides John Luke and Brian Gieselaw being uh, stars on there, of course, uh, and Metzold, it, it's because John Tortorella's press conferences, and he brought a lot of pizzazz and a lot of you know a lot of, of uh, interest into our in our organization. But Brad Larson is a smart guy. He knows, and John Tortorella would admit that he's not perfect. Lars or uh, Torts is not perfect, and so to me, having three interviews with an organization that already knows you very well tells me that their concern was that this was not going to change and this was still going to be going around and round and, and, and not when you make a coaching change, you look for something a little bit different than the previous coach. And Brad Larson is a guy who learned from John Tortorella. And there's probably moments on the bench, uh, in the locker room, conversations in the back where John Tortorella would do it a certain way. And Brad Larson might've walked the other way and said, you know what? I would have handled that differently. And then I bet you he kept a diary, which I think he did keep a diary. And then you write down those moments. So he's a smart guy learning, but I don't care who you coach with or work with as uh, under as a leader. You can learn from their, them. They're good and they're bad. You'll Not the bad, the good and the not so great, we'll call it, or areas where it didn't work out they wanted it, where they wanted to do it. You'll be much better. And I think that's what Brad Larson has done. I think that's why he's impressed this management staff, because he has decided that, you know, in certain situations with certain players in the heat of the moment or whatever it is, write it down and, and would have handled them differently. So, um, you know, I understand the angst a little bit. I understand what you're coming from as far as towards 2.0. That's a great question. That's a, that's a reality. That's a knee jerk reaction. But when you dive in deep, this is a team that's in a, on a bit of a rebuild you know, in a, in a quite a big way from what we expected two years ago when they had Panarin and Anderson and Savard and Felino, and that's not even halfway through the list that's gone. But now there's a, a reality of, hey, this guy has learned good and bad, and he will be better, and our organization will be better because of it. As a former player, Jody, how much consistency vary between coaches in the NHL, and how hard is it to adjust to those different systems? They, they vary quite a bit, uh, but they're similar in a lot of ways. So what I mean is there's probably two or three ways to play the neutral zone. Uh, the offensive zone forecheck, the details of that, your responsibility if you're F1, first guy in the puck uh, is usually the same. It's usually chase the guy with the puck and force him on one side of the ice, and, and that's really what he's trying to do is cut the ice in half so that the other two play, th uh, four players behind him, the two forwards can read off which side the play is going, and then you can squish it. Uh, teams have great goaltenders like uh, the Blue Jackets have now. But I think with Bobrovsky, there was a lot of onus on him to shut it down. And you could see players cheat from defense to offense a little more. There's a luxury of that. Maybe we'll see the Blue Jackets get back to that. Um, there's different ways to play the game, but it depends on your clientele. It really does. When I got traded from Columbus to San Jose, we played a much more up-tempo, a much more offensive-minded get up, get up, get up way than we did with Ken Hitchcock in Columbus. And then when I got from the West Coast, the Western the Western uh, Division to the East uh, East Conference, it was, it was completely different. John Tortorella had us doing drop passes at the blue line, which was creativity and skill as soon as you hit the blue line. And I hadn't done a drop pass since I was 12 years <laughs> old at a blue line because it was just a no-no. It was more of a straight-ahead game in the, in the – West and, and uh, more of a finesse and skill game in the East. Not finesse, but more of a high skill game and speed. So, you know, it changes from team to team. And, and teams and, and coaches might implement a system um, 
I, I know a couple of players that have played for coaches that they had, and the players were defensemen and they were so frustrated that the coaches would not let the D get up over the blue line and skate the puck uh, up the ice. They had to pass it. And, you know, with John Tortorella and, and the way they played, they're allowed to get up. They're allowed to roam. He didn't want D to D plays. He wanted the puck to go North, but it was okay to skate it North. So it can vary. It depends on your clientele. Um, but, you know, it also, you really got to factor in um, how you want to play and, and be realistic with your group. I mean, if your goalie's weak, uh, you, I mean, look at look at the way that the Islanders play. Everyone complains about it. But if you go to an Islanders, Islanders game, you're going to have fun. It's a, it's a fun atmosphere. They're proud of their players. They play a game where they win on most nights. Uh, their goaltenders have not been stars until they've gotten to, to Long Island, and that's a credit to the way they play hockey and, and the way they play with what they have. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. So there will be a lot of, of course, new faces for this this roster in the upcoming year. Which acquisitions do you think might have the biggest impact, but which ones also are you most excited to watch? Well, I've always been a, pan, a fan of Sean Corrali. I mean, I got to skate with him when he was first starting his pro career. I was with San Jose. He was too. So we skated together a little bit uh, here in Columbus when I was getting ice and I just love his outlook on life. I like how hard he works. I like that he's back here and appreciates everything. I think that's very, very important. Boquist to me too is going to be interesting. Uh, Bean's another one because you know what? No one really knows them. I mean, but but quietly they're very smart uh, and tactful pickups. So those two guys to me will be will be fun to watch. I'm most excited about the draft picks, and and for me, Kent Johnson and Mike and uh, Mike Sillinger. How many times <laughs> am I going to do that, Mike Sillinger? buddy of mine so his his son Mike. cole was yeah. born here we i've watched cole grow up uh he's got we you know we have mutual friends in the area um he's in a u- unique position because they lent him last year from the western league which was shut down uh to ushl and now that he got drafted out of from a ushl team directly he can actually play in cleveland uh, as an underage he doesn't have to go back to junior so he can start his pro career this year uh, but I can tell you, he's coming in here to try to make this team. 
and there might be a spot for him. He's a young centerman with a lot of upside. Um, his dad was a pro. He's already a pro. Uh, so, so to me, that's the most important or, or most, not the most important, but the most exciting for me is to see how Sillinger does in camp uh, and see how he comes in and see kind of this organization shift a little bit around Jenner and Warinsky. I was just going to say, I, I know Cole was saying that uh, it sounded like he kind of has this belief that, you know, he feels like he could be ready. Now, he obviously knows that he has to 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 play well in camp, but do you think that there's a chance that he really could make the uh, the, the roster right away, or is it kind of a little bit hard to project well, that right now? So I have a, you know, I have, my heart would tell me yes. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen him play a lot, Yeah, right. but I do talk to his dad about him a lot. I know he's got an elite shot already. Uh, I know how he's been brought up. Uh, I know he's got a big frame. I know he's a handful at center ice, so we'll see. I mean, the league is a younger league. When you, Whenever you're talking about the National Hockey League now, when you talk about a 31 or 32-year-old, they even consider themselves old. So what does that tell you? Guys that are 18, 19 years old, they got a real crack at it, and with the way the the roster looks, with some of the players that have moved along, um, I would say that there is a good chance that he could make this team. Potentially be a pretty good team in Cleveland, too, uh, I think, coming up this year. Um, you know, you have another guy like uh, um, Chinarkov, I think. Is that how you say it, Jody? Can you can you give us the official word on that? Chinikov? I say Chinnikov, <laughs> but I don't know. I haven't done my homework yet. So we'll, see, how, we'll yeah. see what shakes out when he puts on the Blue Jackets jersey. I was going to kick out of pronunciations because, and I argue with Jeff all the time, because when I played in the Quebec League, I was Jody Shelley, and that's huh. that's not my name. But in Quebec, wow. they can call me that. But when they come to North America, we feel like we have to call them with their, you know what I mean, little bit of an accent or whatever, where I'm like, no, that's Jonas Corpusala. But I'm never called him Jonas, you know what I mean? But uh, that's just my little uh, pet peeve uh, information on Jeff and I always have a, a pretty good laugh at that. <laughs> uh, so, Jody, you got to play with uh, Jake Voracek in, in Philly. Is that right? Yeah. So what what does Jake bring to on and off the ice? Well, Jake brings a lot on, in both areas, on and off the ice. He's a, he's a very, very passionate uh, player when the game's on the line. Uh, he cares. He pushes. He challenges teammates uh, right in the middle of the play right on the bench, right in the locker room. He expects a lot from himself and he expects a lot, expects a lot from others uh, when you're trying to accomplish something. But, but he's also a wonderful person. He's got a great outlook on life. And I know I said that about Corrali earlier, but he, he's really a different, different style. He's a throwback guy. Um, he enjoys every day. He doesn't get too worried about things. Although sometimes I see him on Twitter challenging people. He gets a little carried <laughs> away on that, but you know, he, he's a, a guy that really cares and a guy that's really, really fun to be around. So um, he's been around now for a long time. Um, we actually both played in Halifax, the same organization co coming up. So we had a common bond there. He was in Columbus. I was just leaving. It was nice to see him here uh, in the summer in the skates. But now he's back. It's a different Voracek. He's big, strong, passes the puck too much, and that might be a good thing for mine. <laughs> I was just going to ask that. What do you think that – do you think he has a chance of kind of get, getting line A going a little bit, you know, versus last year? That would be the perfect, you know, that would be the perfect scenario. But I don't know. I don't know line A enough. I thought that guy was a shooter. Um, I hope he just had an off year and, and he can come in and, you know, 
play his game and, and, and free himself up a little bit, but that would be the hope. I think he, Jake's going to help him more off the ice, more with just the outlook on life. Maybe just, I think that Jake's a guy he would look up to as far as being a European uh, star who played in a big market. Uh, I think that will really help Patrick because, you know, there's pressures that come being in Philadelphia or being in Winnipeg that you can't always relate with people that have just played, you know, in, in different markets. So I think that'll help. Uh, also, Jake, I've watched Jake play with Claude Giroux, uh, Scott Hartnell, you know, the way they uh, implement how they want to do things in the offensive zone or if Giroux wants to do it one way and Jake says, well, I can do it that way, but I'll, I'll you know, this is how I see it. Maybe there's a little bit of that that Jake can help with, uh, with Patrick and, and maybe Max too. Yeah, it could be fun to see yeah, the oh offense yeah. with those two. Uh, and on that power play too, that we were talking about. Jake is really Jake is very good on the power play. He's a veteran guy that understands how it's supposed to work, and his little details will help a lot, I think. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, so with so much turnover in the leadership of the team and basically in starting over, how do you think the locker room begins to find its way? Well, if you recall a few years ago, they moved some, some, um, some valuable veterans out of the locker room and that allowed people like Jones to grow. Uh, Felino grew more Atkinson became more of a leader. And I think you're going to see the same thing here. I mean, Boone Jenner is a spectacular leader. Uh, he was a leader in junior. I think they won a Memorial cup, uh, in junior he did with, um, he was in Oshawa, I think, and won, won there. And, you know, he's just a natural guy that includes everyone. And the other guy is Wierenski. I mean, he's a guy now, I kind of feel like when he signed that deal, he was happy to do it. And, you know, the dollars were, were very enticing, I'm sure. But I think the fact that now that he's the man really, really uh, excited him. So, you know, I think it'll be fine. I think it's going to be important for these guys to, to, to be the important pieces and run the organization as far as the locker room, how they want to. Bjork Strand's a leader. He's a guy that's got so much respect in the locker room because the way he worked through the adversity of getting in the lineup with Torts, sticking in the lineup, and really changing his game to be a battler on the puck and, and really be a, a role model and, 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 a, and a kind of a, the stamp on how to play strong with the puck, which is a great skill. You don't want to play with a guy who you give the puck to and he always loses it. I mean, that's just painful. I don't care what kind of hockey you're playing. And Bjorkstrand's a guy that keeps plays moving and keeps the, the plan in place uh, at critical times. So there's leadership there. There's a way that it's got to be done here, and, and I think that they'll be just fine. Now, those guys will be missed. There'll be guys that will be missed for sure, but yeah. I think enough has been, has been handed down that these guys will be fine. You spent a lot of time uh, in your broadcast career so far, Jody, um, in between the benches. Um, you know, as a fan, I've really enjoyed that. Um, I think it gives a great perspective on the game. You didn't get to do that much last year. Do you know if you're going to be able to do that more this upcoming season? You know what? I don't know. I appreciate you uh, with the kind sentiment there, but it, it's, I don't know. They haven't told us and everything's kind of day to day. I'm, I'm hearing that the Olympics uh, announcement is going to be happening soon. And, you know, everything's in a holding pattern and, and if we do get back to completely normal. I'll be down there. Uh, there might be restrictions. I'm not sure. I saw Brian Boucher last year in a glass box for the whole game. Couldn't even go to the restroom. And I was joking with him because there was a few times where he didn't know what he was going to do. Uh, so, you know, whatever they decide we'll do and we'll do it uh, with passion and excitement. But yeah, it is fun down there at ice level. Uh, it's a different feel. Uh, it reminds you of how fast, how hard things are, are, are 
are to do at ice level at top speed. And it's, uh, it really brings you in the moment and, and, and up close to what's happening. How would you say it affected your job last year, calling games from the, you know, from a TV monitor, as opposed to like normal being in the arena or being between the benches? Well, I'll tell you a positive is that I, I was just watching the game along with the fans. I would see what you guys would see and we'd watch it together. And that's not always what the fans want. You know, the fans want to know what's happening in the arena. What are we missing behind the play? Uh, why is this happening? Well, you know, you miss a little bit of the feel of why things are happening or what's going on or what happened behind the play or why are they doing this? Because uh, we couldn't get a lot of interaction with the players or we weren't in the building to see exactly, especially down at ice level. But for me, I enjoyed it more than I thought to be able to hang out with the fans and talk about what we're seeing on the screen. It was very defined. I wasn't one place and the camera another, um, which happens quite a bit when we're do calling a live game. I was locked in with you guys, and I thought it gave me more time to explain some things that we could see there. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting because I think a lot of people uh, have always kind of been like, oh, we hate it. We, Of course, you want to be in the stadium, ideally, or the, in the arena, but that's kind of an interesting perspective because I kind of thought you might go the other way with that. I, you know, I mean, of course, everyone wants to travel with the team and be a part of the, yeah. of, uh, of what's going on. I enjoyed uh, being able to be at my son's hockey practices, you know, hang out with my family, uh, you know, an hour and 40 minutes to Cincy. Uh, it was a very defined schedule. It was good. You know, no off days on the road, which is good and bad, but for family time, it wasn't great, yeah. but I really enjoyed it more than I thought. We had a great setup. Again, I gave credit to um, our, our uh, team as far as production team and broadcasting. We worked for great people and, and the way they had us set up with all the monitors we needed, the replays, the delayed feed, uh, we were, we were geared up not to miss much. So we've seen teams in the Metro adding physical players yeah. like the Rangers with Ryan Reeves, of course, Columbus with Zach Renato. So, uh, and it seems like these moves may be to counter guys like a Tom Wilson, but I was curious as an enforce, as a former enforcer, do you approve of this approach? Yes, I approve. It's, uh, <laughs> it's lacking. I think a lot of teams are looking for more of it. It's, you know, I know there's a lot of people that don't get it and, and they, they want to bash uh, that part of the game. And I understand that, you know, the optics of it, the concussion thing, I totally get it. But there's a part and an element of that within the respect of the game, just within, um, you know, the camaraderie of the room, the the knowing that, you know, your big brother is there, to, that he's got your back. Whether something happens or not, you broaden your shoulders a little more, you know, you're able to go in areas or feel good about going against certain teams. And, you know, I, I really like it. I think it's an important element. The physical play is there. It's a fast game. If someone needs to be held accountable or if, you know, you just feel more comfortable going in against these teams that have picked these guys up. I mean, these guys are in the Metro. You know, this is Ryan Reeves in the Metro. This is Tom Wilson in the Metro. So uh, it's important to be able to hold your own and, and, and make sure that your guys feel comfortable and be able to play their game. Uh, not that there's a lot going on. No one's going to make a guy drop a gloves. But for me, a guy like Ronaldo, he's a guy who's a very effective hitter. So when teams are playing against the Blue Jackets and you have a guy like that that can blow you up uh, legally, which I think he's worked on, yeah. uh, you know what? It uh, it puts you on notice. It's the last thing that's said before you go on the ice. Hey, keep your head up on Ronaldo. And, and it's, it just makes you feel good when you know that your guy has the possibility uh, of bringing that physical element. It's been interesting to watch the league kind of go back and forth over the last few years. You know, you've had really skilled, fast teams like the Maple Leafs, 
Um, and then you had the Lightning a couple of years ago, um, teams like the Rangers. And it seemed like the game was going that way. But then the Lightning get a little tougher and then they win, you know, back-to-back Stanley Cups. Um, so do you kind of see, I think a lot of fans kind of like the years of Dubinsky and Bull and that team that, that yeah. kind of got, had the opportunity to throw other teams around. Um, do you think we're going to see more of that next year? I, I hope so. I mean, when you're sitting in the stands and you can see the passion and um, your team is representing how you feel about a player or, you know, your players are, are standing up for each other, you feel good. I mean, you feel good about it. I don't care if you're watching soccer uh, with with uh, kids in junior high or rec soccer uh, or baseball and someone's, you know, trying to be a bully or whatever it is. It's just nice to have a group uh, that will stand up for each other. So it's, I, I like it. Uh, I think it's a, I think it's a point that you need in, in, in your lineup. I, I like the fact that, you know, St. Louis a few years ago, they, they had Pareko. He's a big guy. He's intimidating. Uh, Tarasenko played tough in his own way. Like he was a guy that finished checks, Braden Shen, he'd fight anybody. Um, you know, and that's all added to the momentum of building a team and having camaraderie and having character and, and working for each other. And there's no better feeling in the locker room after where you know that someone had your back so that you could do this or the other team is talking about us because we're, you know, we, we've got that element. We can, we can impose our will on these guys and, and let certain players skate and do their thing. So it's a, it's a combination. You cannot forget about, you know, the third line. Look, look at the third, third line of Tampa. They knew what their job was. They had enough skill and speed to do it. And then you had Patty Maroon, who knows what he can do and knows what he can bring. And he's a three-time Stanley Cup champ. Uh, and it's not by mistake. He, he knows his role on the fourth line. He's not the fastest guy, but he's a veteran presence who can bring, hold guys in his own locker room accountable, but also bring a sense of, oh, we got to play that guy again. That guy doesn't stop talking. And he's always doing this, that, or the other. Uh, it's, it's not a bad thing to, to, to be annoying once in a while. <laughs> Or all the time. <laughs> I was gonna say I remember some of the stories that you mentioned about Bob Probert yeah. in the past, and just some of your your old old uh, stories playing. Yeah, those were uh, that was a unique time. I look back at some of those moments and and uh, yeah. you know think about man, that was crazy. We were doing crazy things, but you know what? I hadn't been in a fight until I was 18 years old. Went to a junior camp and figured out that that was my way to make an impression. And I did it for 20 years and took it to the highest level. And that was my vehicle. So the people I've met, uh, things I got to do, what I'm doing now, I have to thank it to taking advantage of an opportunity. And, and uh, you know, God rest his soul, Probert, for taking, obliging to fight me. He didn't have to fight me. I would have been thankful if he didn't <laughs> fight me. But I'm even more thankful that he did. If that makes sense, uh, great. Yeah, if it doesn't, it does. it's hard to explain to you. <laughs> No, I do. Yeah, I do. I, I get it. Yeah, I definitely get that. Who is your breakout player next season and why? You know, that's a very good question. Breakout player for this team. I would love it to be Texier. I like the way he plays. I like how hard he plays. But I think it's going to be, I think a guy like Foodie. You know, Foodie's a guy that's kind of came in at a weird time. He joined this team at a weird time. Uh, he's got the speed. He's had time to reflect. He's had time to work at it. Is Liam Foody the player that comes in and, and breaks it out for the Blue Jackets? I think with a little more freedom, a little more space, and a little more uh, confidence, uh, he could be that player. I haven't had a chance to see him in person yet, but 
he looks like he can just absolutely fly on those skates. All he needs is, is a little confidence, and, and, and that would be a, a good horse to bet on, I'd say. Well, Jody, you were always a fan favorite. We really appreciate you taking time to come on and chat with us as the season is just around the corner. I think it's about 45 days. You're what jersey number. I saw away. that. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to have to like that on Twitter. I, I was busy all day, but uh, yeah, here we are. It's funny when that pops up. It's always, uh, it's always a good image. We're getting close, I guess. Definitely. Also, I just realized I have this picture of us. Oh, cool. See that. <laughs> Had it on my desk. I just, I just realized I was sitting That's up awesome. there. I know I showed you that in the past. That was. How long ago was that? Well, I was probably, I look like I might be 10. So you were definitely in your playing days. Rick Nash was oh, right yeah. next to you. Was that a hate seat? Yeah, it was. It was oh, that. That is so yep. funny. We tried. So that was a pretty good autograph session. A lot of people showed up, right? It was fun. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. I think there was definitely a line, but it was definitely fun always going to those autographs. I'm in Virginia now, but I'm still keeping up with the team oh, and remembering good. all those times. So I'll tell you a funny good, story. But, uh, we, so Hadesi Automotive got bought out by um, Wahlberg, Wahlberg Chevrolet or whatever. And so towards the end of that, you know, we had a good relationship with the Hadesi boys, PJ Hadesi, Chris Hadesi, Bob Park. So Rick and I called him. Was like, you know, let's remember that autograph session we did, the one you just showed in that picture. I said, well, let's kind of relive that. So we'll, you know, we'll Rick and I will come out and do autographs. This was like four months ago, we'll say. So they're like, yeah, that'd be great. You know, we'll advertise it and we'll uh, we'll, we'll have you guys out. So Rick and I show up like twenty minutes early. We go in the back room and we're talking and we're catching up with them and eating popcorn and you know, five after uh, when they when it's supposed to start. We go out and, and PJ gives us markers and we go out and there is not one single fan in the building. Nobody showed up for me, Rick Nash and I autograph session. Uh, and we looked at PJ. We're like, did you advertise this at all? And he goes, well, I put it on my Facebook page. Oh, no. So this one family showed up like 20 minutes later. Uh, and we were like so happy to see them. We got pictures with them, gave them autographs, talked to them for a bit. It was so funny. But it was a humbling moment moment for Rick Nash and I. A little different than uh, back when you were in line and yeah. took that picture. <laughs> that was like when I went to see uh, John Luca at Home Depot. I think he was just sitting there just chilling by himself. But I, I was like, I'm going to get a picture. I that mean, would be awesome good for, for you if so you're on I'm the sure ball, people, right? You get access. I'm sure I'm sure that people showed up. But, uh, yeah, it was always fun. It's, it's fun watching all of you on TV now. It's really cool to just kind of follow your careers from playing, post-playing. Yeah. So it's been really cool well, to thanks. see it. We're but, enjoying uh, it. We really, again, we really, yeah, we really appreciate you coming on again. And if you, uh, if you see, if you see Rick, Rick Nash, let him know that in his new role, you know, we're really expecting him to step up and, and really make Sillinger and, and Johnson into, uh, into superstars. <laughs> I'm sure he's on it. I'm sure he's on it. Him and Dorsett and Letesco were on it. I remember, I remember Mike Sillinger playing too back in the day. So it's, it's, it's yeah, just he was great. One of the best teammates you could have. Cool full circle. Mark Letestu, I was really excited when Mark when we found out Mark was going to be on board. Um, especially you've got guys like Texier and, and Ross Levick, um, Sillinger, Johnson, mm -hmm. these guys that are projected to be um, you know, permanent NHL centers. I think there's probably not anybody better than Letestu to kind of give them the ropes, especially defensively. Um, you know, what do you think that Mark brings to the organization? Well, if you look at Tampa, they got Jeff Halpern on the bench and, and, you know, he's one of those guys like Mark who understood his role, had a great career. So through his experience with star players, 
uh, and, and blue collar players, players coming and going, um, which he was, and he was all the above. He found his craft and that was being effective and, and reliable and responsible. Uh, and that's why he had such a great NHL career. So I think it's a good fit. I think he also compliments Derek Dorsett, who's a guy that was scrappy on the outside, but he's intelligent when it comes to understanding what it takes uh, as far as character to play in the league, uh, stay in the league. You know, he's, he's a bright guy. So I like the combination of both those guys. Again, we really appreciate you uh, coming on tonight. Hope that uh, you have a good rest of my pleasure. Uh, toll. A good rest of the day and weeks as the season's getting here. Yeah. That's basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Well, I appreciate it. You guys enjoy the rest of the offseason, and we'll see you down at Absolutely. the rink. Absolutely. Thanks again. Thanks, Jody. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Anytime. I appreciate it. Subscribe to the Canon Cast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you can catch every episode. Leave us a review and a rating. And as always, we welcome your thoughts and feedback. Go to jacketscannon.com for more Blue Jackets coverage from us and follow us on Twitter at CBJ Cannon. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Perley and the Howling Moons. Check out angelaperley.com for more music and show dates.